0: It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy.
1: Well, you guys asked for it, so I figured, you know, if I get enough email questions about it, I was like, I have to address it at some point. Um, I think everybody knows that I'm a big consumer reports Fan. I mean, Uh,
0: maybe even a Consumer Reports junkie. I would say. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I I love some Consumer Reports. Matter of fact, you know, vacuum cleaners, cars, you know, insurance, cell phone carriers, gadgets. I'm going to see what Consumer Reports has to say about it. So it it, it makes complete sense that our listeners here on the Money Guy Show, that's money-guy.com, they um, wrote me and said, Brian, did you see the Consumer Reports article that came out in the October? 2013, page 14, It's the, the title of it is Truce, that's Truce Financial Pros Won't Tell. So those truce that, you know, as it starts it off, and I'll read it because it's, it's a pretty small piece, but it's it's got a lot in a short period of time. And I think some of the listeners ask me because they know some of it probably conflicts even with how we run the practice. Right. And, but that, that doesn't scare me. I'd rather, I think that's the biggest thing, you, you know, with if you feel confident in what you do, just talk about things, yeah, and usually you can figure it all out. One of the things I thought was interesting, though, I don't know who wrote this. Obviously, part of the editorial staff, or or editor staff, whatever, you know, that they have set up at Consumer Reports, because there's no name listed, so it's probably a collaboration. But they kind of um, had some teeth with this. I mean, and I'm not just talking about what they said about the fee-only side. When they talked about insurance agents and other things, they were very opinionated, which... I kind of agreed with some of it, and then some of it kind of hurt, but I think that probably means that they wrote what they truly felt. They didn't try to dance around anything, which was pretty refreshing. So I'm going to talk about that. Also, one of our our favorite listeners sent me over an article that was really cool. You know, Alfred Morris plays for Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great running back. Got a pretty cool thing going on this year in the NFL.
0: See on your fantasy team?
1: No, he's actually in the ninth place. I'm in 10th place, by the way, in my fantasy league out of 10 teams. Um, the guy who's in ninth place, I checked before we did the show, <laughs> actually has him. So I wanted to make sure. And that shows how bad of a a,
0: a fantasy, a fantasy, a fantasy well, football manager you are. I mean, because
1: here I am. You know, I told you, my hobby is I try to figure out ways I can make additional money, like doing lending club and other things like that, because they're the hobbies. They're not really part of the financial plan, but they're fun to make money. I think my friends hang out on all the sports networks, watch ESPN. I don't know. I, I was in a car ride, and this is complete tandem. We didn't even know we were going to talk about this. But driving back from Nashville last week, I found out there's a bunch of NBA teams (laughs) <laughs> I didn't even know existed. I mean, it was like Bobcats. Did y'all know we had an NBA team named the Bobcats? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of names. I I, I told him I don't really remember following basketball except for when I was playing basketball in high school and then junior high and growing up. Right. And Larry Bird, Bill Laimbeer, and, you know, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. Right, right. I don't keep up with it. And then the NHL teams, I told them after talking to these guys, I was like, y'all ought to refund every bit of my fantasy football money (laughs) because I'm obviously the biggest dead money you've ever seen. So 10th place, but we're also going to be talking about how Alfred Morris is driving around. Now, realize this guy has kind of had a breakout year, going to probably have a monster contract coming up. And um, he's driving around in a 1991 Mazda 626,
0: and he could not be happier about it. Loves it.
1: So, Alfred, you need to be listening to the Money Guy Show. anybody know
0: anybody you know is close with Alfred? You
1: know, he's from Florida, so we're in the southeast. Come on, give us a shout out. So um, that was pretty cool.
0: And this was actually sent to us by one of our podcast listeners. So thank you so much. We appreciate this. so, So such a good article. We wanted to share it.
1: We're going to cover that. I also want to give a shout out to Dr. Thomas Stanley. You know, he had a chance to to listen to the podcast. That we did the, the money guy mashup said he liked um, how we put it out. So thought that was kind of cool. You know, one of my heroes actually writes us back and says, Hey, yeah, listen to the show. That, that was really a you know, kind of a cool thing for me. And then, of course, I just came back from the happiest place on earth, Walt Disney World, took the family down there um, last week. Was it last week? Time moves.
0: Yeah, it was last week.
1: Last week, and I had a little Walt Disney envy. And the fact that there's these brand new things, for all of you guys who go down to Walt Disney World, they have these new wristbands that they're using instead of room keys um, to for fast passes, for going to restaurants. I mean, this thing is it's kind of like a biometric band that you can use for anything. Buying, selling, you know, it's just a really cool technology. Unfortunately, I wasn't asked to be one of their test subjects. So I had a little envy. Because a lot of my friends who went down there because you know our school system was out for fall break, several of our friends got asked to be part of the pilot program to try it out. They got to do fast passes at a lot of the rides that the only way you can do fast passes on those rides is directly through this wristband. You also can do it all electronically. You don't have to go physically get a fast pass anymore. You can do it all electronically. You can set reservations at restaurants and use this fat, you know your wristband. So I, I kind of was sad that we didn't have those, but it, overall, great time at Disney. Glad to see they're making a lot of investments. I kind of, you know, really nerded out when I found out that they're going to have a Star Wars World in Hollywood Studios at some point in the in the next few years. Uh, really cool stuff. So I'll be spending a lot more money and a lot more time with the mouse at some point. But for those of you just joining us, this is the Money Guy Show. I've already told you the website. It's money-guy.com. Also, please check us out. You know, when you go to the website, what we have is our show notes, but you can also register. A lot of you have asked me, Brian, there's only three shows released at any point in time on the podcast. That's not true. We go all the way back to 2006, but we only publish three to people who we don't know who you are. But if you go to the website, register for a free membership, we open it up to five. And then if you really want to kick it on to, to, the money guy trained where you want to see everything, do the premium membership. And for $29, a little over $29 a year, you actually get all of our archives all the way back to 2006 as well as our quarterly commentary, which I think just got published. Uh,
0: it's not up there yet. We're in the process of getting it up there.
1: And then for Twitter followers, what's our Twitter um uh,
0: Money Guy Podcast. You want to stay in touch with us more frequently than every two weeks, check us out at Money Guy Podcast. And, and uh, we always put out some fun pictures, articles, thoughts, uh, inspirational quotes, just a way to stay in touch with us uh, in between these episodes.
1: Now, let's talk about the truth. Why do, I, why do I, I can say truth with no problem, but you put an S on it, and all of a sudden the tongue just doesn't want to work fast enough. But truth's <laughs> financial pros won't tell. Most people don't realize right now that the the kind of financial community has been in this weird state because there's been a lot of changes that have been occurring. You know, And that's what the article kind of starts off with. It talks about 2011. So here's what it says. It says the Securities and Exchange Commission did investors a favor in 2011 when it made financial advisors explain their compensation in plain English instead of industry jargon. Now, when you request form ADV part two, now that everybody, by the way, when you go talk to a registered investment advisor, they are required by law to give you this ADV part two. So it's a very important disclosure, really lays out how a business works. So make sure you're asking for that when you're talking to a financial pro. You can more easily see whether an advisor gets commissions from the investments he sells, charges a flat fee or a percentage, or is paid another way. The form also mentions disciplinary actions, conflicts of interest, and other background information. It's just like, I don't do tax preparation anymore, but for a while I was still kind of doing some tax consulting and other things for businesses. Um, I, I had to disclose that. Now we don't have to do that. We don't do that anymore. But it's kind of cool that you can really see behind the curtains of how a business works and all the things that are going on with the people who are running that company. But form ADV Part 2 doesn't tell the whole story. Advisors won't necessarily volunteer everything about the scope of the services they provide or all that you'll pay to work with them. Those sins of admission, some an inadvertent and some intentional, can cost you. Here's what might be left unsaid. So I, I like it when we do these stories because right. they, this is the things, you know, insurance agents or your travel agent, you know, there's all kinds of things when these stories about what people won't tell you. And, I, and I've said it and I've, I've got it written down here. My favorite client. As an informed client, because it, nothing makes you feel better as a client than when you listen to the radio, reading an article, and you see, hear a concept that you and your advisor had already talked about right. and implemented. So, um, I don't shy away from this stuff. So the first one well, is.
0: And I, I also I think it's important to mention. You know, we're going to stay as unbiased as we can through oh, this sure. whole thing. But obviously, this is what we do for a living, so we can't speak on behalf of all financial professionals. We're going to kind of tell you the, the way that we do it and kind of what our thoughts at our firm are on some of these topics.
1: Yeah, and, and I, have a, I feel like I have a little unique perspective in the fact that I did work on the commission side of the business for the first four years. I was really in the financial industry. I, I worked on the commission side, and now I've obviously spent the, the majority of my time on the fee-only side, but it, it does provide a little bit more depth of perspective. Um, here's what it says. I'm more expensive than you think. It says, Fee-only planners, the kind we generally recommend, often, in char- often charge an investment management fee equal to a percentage of your assets. Annual fees for assets of $1 million or less can range from 0.7% to more than 2%, with 1% being average. But we recommend that you ask. Even a seemingly small difference in that fee, say 1.5% a year instead of 1%, can cost you substantially. In 20 years, a $500,000 nest egg growing at 8% would be worth $1,934,000 with a 1% fee, but only $1,761,000 with a 1.5% fee. That's pretty powerful stuff. Right, right. One thing I would caution you, and, and this is what we have to tell people. This is why when we do retirement analysis. We do it multiple ways. And one of the easiest ways when we're doing spot checks, so if you call us up and ask us some questions, sometimes we give people who don't even qualify, we'll give them a spot check on where they are with their retirement savings. And we do we use, a, we use static rate of return. And that's exactly what Consumer Reports just did, where you just assume a, a, a static standard rate of return like 8%. You say, what if the portfolio makes 8% each year, every year? The thing is, we know that's not how the real world works. I mean, if you just look at the returns of the last few years, the last decade, I mean, we've got ranges of returns from the you can make 20 percent in a year. If you're talking about the S&P 500, you can also lose 37 percent in a year. And this is all within the last few years. So to say we can make 8 percent per year is just not how the real world right. works. So just be careful. that That's why when we do retirement plan, we do a lot of Monte Carlo simulations. We try to go through every historical event that's ever occurred on, on returns to figure out. And it's the same way when you're looking at trying to manage your investments. But I think it's still a valid point that the two biggest things, and this is me giving my thoughts on it, watch what you're paying in fees, but also watch what you're paying in taxes. Mm-hmm. And then I'd also ask you to figure out what are you getting for the, exactly. the service that you're paying. Because it, it rolls on to in the article, it says, if a prospective advisor charges more than 1%, seek someone else. Ouch! That kind of hurt. <laughs> that kind of stung uh, just and, um, a little and bit. And it says certified financial planners at the mutual fund giant Vanguard charge 0.7% to manage accounts of one million dollars or less. So here's here's what I was going to uh, mention. The it, it it ouched me a little bit just because love me some Consumer Reports. But our our fee structure is this. I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there for you. First million dollars that we managed were one and a quarter percent and I'm going to tell you why it's a little bit more in a second. The next 2 million, it drops down to 1% and then the next 2 million drops down meaning 3 million to 5 million, it drops down to 0.75% and then anything over $5 million drops down to 0.6. It's no different than, you know, obviously the more money you have. It's like going to Sam's, you're buying in bulk so you get a better price. Right. Um Here's the kind of the difference of just talking about the fee structure of Vanguard. I always say, what are you paying for with the fee that you're paying? Vanguard, great company. Mm -hmm. We 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 love Vanguard. We we actually use a lot of Vanguard. But Vanguard is not perfect at everything. What, What I find interesting is the next thing I'm about to share with you, the next tip they have, which is I might not have your interest at heart, it says it uses the she it says she may hawk her employees proprietary financial products first because they're more profitable to the company and this is why I say be careful buying from one fun company because you can be good but does that mean you're good at everything and um, we had a call yesterday somebody called us up and they were they had, they had gotten some an email or something this is an existing client and it was from Vanguard and the website had some tool where they were able to create an allocation just by answering a few questions. And what I thought was interesting is it had well over 30% of their money going into the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index. Well, anybody who's following the financial markets right now knows be very, very careful of buying any bond index whatsoever. I love index investing on very efficient markets like large cap stocks. There's even some other areas you can get into but do not consider doing index investing, especially with what we've got going on in Washington right now with bond index funds. So just that you go get yourself in a pickle at some point in the future. And this is kind of known throughout the industry. So I just say be careful with trying to buy from the same company. The second thing is what are you getting for the money? So if you pay 0.7%, is that just an allocation? Because I just told you you can go to there's all kinds of websites I could point you in the direction of that will create allocations for you all day long. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where the article kind of went a little where it didn't go deep enough. It's only about two inches deep. It needed to go probably at least two to three feet deep so people could understand what's going on. You need to understand the difference between hiring an investment specialist and a holistic financial and investment advisor. And and what I mean by that is an investment specialist is going to do just that. You, You call them up, you tell them what you got, you know, tell them some brief things about what your goals are when you want to retire and your risk tolerance, and they're gonna they're going to spit out an asset allocation it, for it's
0: you. It's strictly money management. Whereas what I
1: like to say we are, is we're more on that holistic side where we're trying to look at your entire financial life. We wanna, you know, we wanna know the full picture. We wanna know what, what makes you happy, what's your goals that you're looking to accomplish, what's going on out there and and you know, Have your personal CFO. Mm -hmm. I can't think of any other way to put it. And I started thinking about, what do we typically cover with clients? And I'm not talking about, you don't always have to pull out a brand new spreadsheet or or big fancy plan to do this. This is just having a phone call with some of our clients to discuss this. Insurance planning. And I'm not just talking about life insurance. How often do you talk to your financial advisor about property and casualty insurance? Umbrella insurance, how much you should have. Business insurance. Retirement planning. Um, Estate planning. And now people hear estate planning and go, Brian, the new estate plan exemption is $5.2 million, $5,250,000. I don't need an estate plan. Well, but think about this. Has somebody talked with you who's actually worked with many, several families who have you know, actually been through the process to tell you the, the pitfalls when you're dealing with money and and passing on assets? I mean, I will tell you it's not always the money. Some of it is, hey, what – really sentimental objects do you have? Assets do you have? Make sure you have a plan for those because they might not have any value financially, but they have a lot of value to the people. And you just don't want to leave this earth with a very healthy, functional family. And then because you left this earth with some assets without a plan, that same healthy family is now fighting over those same assets. So estate planning is not always creating trust and doing fancy stuff like that. It's talking through the experience of, How do you need to structure even a modest estate? Tax planning. Here's something that I I brag about is our our designations here. You know, I have a background in public accounting. So I think that tax mindset has been very valuable. And Bo... Hanging out with me through osmosis, you even have become a much better tax person just from hanging out with my nerdy tax self,
0: turning into a nerdy tax uh,
1: dude. So it's, um, but Bo's got the CFA designation, which I'm always very proud of that. I think that does a good thing of getting deep into the, the into the understanding of investments, um, major purchases. I told you all the last podcast was on autos. You know how often are you looking at how you buy vehicles and getting a good deal on those things, and it's not just vehicles. I mean, we've shopped all kind of crazy things. You would, you'd be surprised. I mean, some of the funny things I wrote down are unique things, I should say. Solar panels, right? We have clients in California. It's kind of cool looking at solar Do panels. A little bit of
0: analysis on that.
1: Um, restaurant franchises. You know, I told you we looked at that re- same restaurant franchise that Tim Tebow was looking at for a while. That was kind of interesting to see um, behind the curtains on that. Re- reviewing private equity things. You know, we have clients in the medical field or other professional fields where they get offered. To basically use products in their research or in clinical s- side of things. And if they do this, you know, in their expertise, they, there's some options that come from mm-hmm. private equity and other things that are provided. So we help them on, on structuring that as well as keeping it up. Stock options, executives need stock option work. Um, tracking down basis on real estate and other things, how to work through that. Here's the one I like though. We're the SEAL team six of abandoned assets. <laughs> you would, be, you would not believe. How many of our clients come over here and they have assets either directly held like stock, individual stocks, retirement plans, you know, where they they try to go get these assets, 529 plans, where they've tried to go pull these assets, consolidate them to make their financial life easier, but they just can't get it because they hit some roadblock. They don't speak the language and the things get hung up and they just give up. Right. And I mean, this goes on decades. And then that's when we have our one-year assessment meeting, I'm always – just pleasantly surprised when they're like, you know, we tried to get those assets over and we finally just gave up, but somehow you guys were able to break through. And that's why I say seal team six it is that we're able to go recover those abandoned assets that just aren't consolidated and brought in. So as you can see, and and I'll tell you, I'm the type that I just get emotionally and personally attached to clients. I just like talking to people and building a relationship. And I, I got to think that a That value of having a relationship, somebody understanding your life, is so much more important than that 1-800 number. And the beauty of technology is the world is a smaller place now. I mean, working virtually is so easy. I mean, it, it really, truly is. So that's why I put that out there. So enough, I probably went on, but it's just because it impacted us. And I don't, I want to just straight up
0: address the, the concern. I think the moral, moral is if you do have an advisor who's helping you and they are charging more than 1%, you just need to understand what's the value you're getting for that. Yeah, ask Are, if you, it's, getting it, are you getting an additional value there? Exactly. It's, um, I, was trying, I love analogies. So I was trying to think, how do you get,
1: because, you know, Vanguard's perfectly good car. Right. Maybe if you're talking about vehicles that are going to get you to where you want to be, perfectly good car. Right. Not quite luxury, but very good car. I look at us as kind of being a jet. We can get you there a little faster and a little more comfortable. I like kind, that kind of analogy. I just I like you know, that it's a lot. Kind of like my sports car analogy on my brain. You know, it's <laughs> fast, not much storage space, so don't expect me to keep too much in the head. But um, moving on, here's the here's where it gets, he start, they start picking on other people. I might not have your interest at heart. Your advisor is required to tell you what she charges for her services, but she but she may not be required to compare the cost of her recommendations with alternatives. Whether she works for a brokerage house, bank, or an insurance or mutual fund company, she may hawk her employer's proprietary financial products first because they're more profitable to the company. And, and that's very much the case. I, I, mean,
0: I think this is an easy question to ask. If you have someone who's making investment recommendations, say, hey, why would you choose this company? Yeah. Hey, why do you like this manager? Why do you like this? Fund? And they should have an answer for that. They should be able to show you, well, the reason I like this is X, Y, Z. If it's because oh it's a company I work for, that may not be the most prudent or, answer out or
1: there. Or there's a program right now that if I sell so much of this, I get a cruise <laughs> to the Caribbean in the in the spring, that might not be the best interest for That's you right. for you as well. If your advisor charges a commission, typical for professionals called broker dealers, she need only identify investments that are suitable and that suitable is in quotes. Not necessarily the cheapest she could recommend a mutual fund that fits your portfolio and risk tolerance but isn't the least expensive and no coincidence no coincidence pays her well um that suitability thing is something i think the public doesn't truly understand and um you know i remember when i took the series 7 years ago that there was a whole big section on suitability and what suitability means is hey if you if you've got enough money to qualify for a product it probably fits you know you're not you're not being misled and it's not it's suitable. I right. mean it, it, you know, that's not a great man, talking about an adjective that I don't want to be I don't want to be called suitable for my wife, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I want to be told that I'm perfect for my wife. Right. you know it, it, suitable is just that's that's an adjective that's just, okay, he's a guy. she's a girl. They're suitable, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they should be together. Right. and and that's what I think you know I was trying to think about how to common sense wise think about how to how to frame suitability. You just mean, eh, okay, it fits. I mean, it doesn't necessarily fit perfectly, but it fits. I guess to get you out of legal trouble. Um, so that that was something I thought it was it was was well put. And now it rolls into in contrast, a registered investment advisor is legally now when you hear the word legally, you know that means by law, required to act as a fiduciary by putting your interest first. Um, it then goes on and says a certified financial planner is not bound by law, but similar professional standards. Cause there are, there's RAs, but then there's an RA that might have the CFP designation. And there's a whole big battle. You know, I told you there's big changes going on. Big battle with CFPs in the last really three to five months because they, they had a, they found out that oh, some, some commission guys were listing themselves as fee only. Right. And there's been a big shakeup at the CFP because they're like, wait a minute. We, we gotta get this stuff out of here. You, you're either fee only. There's already this big confusion on what the difference is between fee only and fee based. You hear right. people saying fee based. They're trying to get that out of the industry because all fee based means is that you're a commission person who's kind of figured out how to structure your products to look like the, the, the fee only assets under right. management. You're basically doing wrap accounts and, and it confuses the heck out of the public to a large degree. Um, to avoid conflicts, they ask the advisor for written confirmation that her relationship to you is as a fiduciary. If she doesn't, find someone else. If your advisor works for a brokerage, her recommendations, no no doubt. Now, this is where I thought, man, the, the editor staff is kind of a little punchy with this stuff, but, it, but they said it. It said if your advisor works for a brokerage, her recommendations, no doubt, will include at least some, if not all, mutual funds sold only by her company. Ask about comparable funds and their costs. That's called proprietary products. Um, one thing, you know, proprietary products, the, the issue I have with them is when you're you trying to transfer them out, they can't be transferred. No. Um, if you if you buy say, you know, and I'm gonna it's it's kind of like the NBA has new team names. Um, I'm gonna use old team names. So you know, Merrill Lynch, you know, Smith Barney, those guys, I know they've all been consolidated into, you know, Merrill Lynch part of Bank of America and right, you know right, all these right. other things, but if you buy a Merrill Lynch mutual fund and you want to transfer it over to Fidelity or Schwab, they're going to tell you it's not possible. Right. So, if you've built up, if you buy a Merrill Lynch equity fund, large cap equity fund, it makes 15%, 20 30% over the last five years. You go, you decide you want to go to Charles Schwab or Fidelity Investments, they're going to tell you, oh, sorry, you can't transfer this unless you sell it. And incur the taxes on right. it. And that's, that's never a, a great thing. Whereas a lot of funds, if you're not buying proprietary funds, like you're just buying the Fidelity S&P 500 or the Vanguard S&P 500 or some other mutual fund. You
0: can take those with you. Wherever you can just you take go. them.
1: They're portable. You, that, that's nice because I always say, don't buy products that if you get upset, you just can't pick them up and go home with them. You know, you're, t- take your marbles and go home because you don't like dealing with this anymore. Um, and that, that's what, when we're talking to prospects, we say, look, there's no bounding binding commitment to us. Everything we have here is portable. If you don't like us, fire us. Right. I mean, and I think that is a strong, strong argument when you're talking to somebody. If you can be that transparent to say, "Give it us a go." There's no obligation. You know, the only way we can keep you is if we dag on make you happy. Right. I mean, that's that's a great way to sell. I don't ever want to do products, and this is what why I kind of had to get out of the commission side because a lot of your insurance and other products will lock you in for periods of time. And, and, you know, and they'll give you some bonuses to try to entice you, but that just goes against my philosophy of why should I be bound to you because I signed a contract on time? Why don't I be bound to you because of your great customer service right. or because of the experience? And that, that you should be able to vote with your, your money, you know, vote with your feet by leaving if you so need to. Um, it goes on and, and it, I thought this last one was funny because it was one of our favorite podcasts of all times. We got more comments about this podcast, and the coolest guy still. This guy is still rocking and rolling. But the last thing that they said is, "I might recommend investments you don't need or understand." My most popular, one of our most popular podcasts was this song, this podcast called "Bringing Simple Back." And it was a complete takeoff of bringing sexy back by Justin Timberlake. And, you know, and Justin Timberlake, we've talked about him around here. We're also jealous of this guy. You're not supposed to, you know, God has quality control. I truly believe God has quality control where he doesn't let you, when, when you know, God is creating souls and putting everything together, you know, he'll say, okay, this guy's smart. This guy, I'm going to make him athletic. You know, this guy, really good looking. You know, and every now and then he'll let two of the three. But he doesn't let you have all three. (laughs) He doesn't. You're just not supposed to get all three. Somehow, that daggum Justin Timberlake got all three. But, well, okay, I'm sorry. Everybody's looking at me like, Brian, this is a financial podcast. Bring it back in. (laughs) Okay, variable, here's what it is. I might recommend investments you don't need or understand. Variable annuities, for instance, promise retirement income in exchange for a lump sum or periodic premium payments. Their fees can trim more than 8% off returns and end up losing you money. So, that obviously, Consumer Reports not a big fan of the variable annuities. Exchange-traded notes, ETNs is what they're also known as, are arcane investments that are backed not by actual assets but by a promise from the issuer to pay an amount based on a benchmark. Issuers can arbitrarily delist their ETNs. It's also not easy to redeem shares in an ETN, even the purchase of tax-free, and it rolls on a new product, says that the purchase of tax-free products such as municipal bonds might not make sense if your tax rate is fairly low. Um, It says, and here's what I liked because I love curious clients. It said, ask about potential negative outcomes from any investment. Have the advisor back up his pitch with data and take your time deciding or get a second opinion. At the Garrett Planning Network, for instance, you can find advisors who will review your investment plans of other advisors for a few hundred dollars. And Garrett Planning Network is fee-only people that work strictly by the hour. They don't do the assets under management. Um, not we've we've recommend people who don't qualify for us. We've sent them down right. to Garrett Planning yep. Network. You know, it's it's one of those things where um, base it off the relationship. I was talking to somebody who's having some medical issues, and they were talking about the doctor and second opinions. And I said, get you some, go get a second opinion, but then also find somebody who just fits right. If you're dealing with very heavy, you know, life decisions, and I think medical, financial, these are all very life. You've a you got to have that fit where you don't mind asking questions that the relationship just kind of rolls. So hopefully I, I, that helps you out on trying to figure out those little those those little hidden segments of things that your financial pro is not telling you. If you have questions, write them in the comments section at money-guy.com. Write us. You can write me at brian, B-R-I-N, at money-guy.com. And then Bo at bo at money-guy.com. Now the last segment... I was BO, right, right, Bo? It's BO, that's right. Body odor. Um, okay. Last,
0: the Redskin Star, Alfred Morris. This is just this made me happy. I'm just I'm not gonna lie, yeah, I read a the entire time I read this article. And, and when Michael sent this article to
1: us, he probably didn't realize how close this hit to home. Because my very first car, besides the Ragolier, I had my first car ever was when I was 16. I got a 1984. Chevy Cavalier that was affectionately known as the Ragalier.
0: That was the car you got with all the, as soon as you got it, all the ladies just I came I thought running they after would, you.
1: but no lady showed up. But then after I graduated, well, speaking of the Ragalier, my wife, on our very first date, she, you know, we were set up, you know, after we'd met out, uh, going to pick her up, she'd asked the friend that knew me, what color is his car? So I know <laughs> when he shows up, what the car, what car to look for. Ashley described it as it's rust
0: is rust colored. It was actually black,
1: but because of all the rust and fading, I guess it did look rusty. But the first car after I graduated college, I graduated from the University of Georgia, big, bushy-eyed, and I was so excited to hit the world, with, you know, running. And I, I took my offer letter um, to the bank to get financing on, you know, and I was just ready to attack the world. The first car I ever bought, and I bought it for $10,300. I still remember I no- negotiated it down from fourteen to ten thousand three hundred. It was a 1994 Mazda 626. Oh yeah, love that car. That's almost so. A I kind of, I kind of understand how Alfred feels here because why the C 626 rocked for me was because it was manual shift. So I felt like I was, you know, speed, speed racer, just like he said, which kind of cracked me up. And then the Mazda had a feature I have never seen on any other car, and I thought it was the coolest thing: oscillating vents. You hit a button on your air conditioning on in the center vents. Went back and forth just like a fan did. I never knew that. Coolest thing ever. Now, my wife or girlfriend at the time hated it because, (laughs) you know, I'm liking that it's blowing air back and forth, but she hates that it's messing up her hair every time it sweeps past her. But I thought it was a really cool innovation. Um, Obviously, it's not super popular since you see it in no cars. No cars do that anymore. (laughs) But um, I'm going to read a little bit of this because I thought it was really cool. It said Washington Redskins breakout running back Alfred Morris is the kind of guy who could probably drive whatever he wants. But his ride of choice is still what he calls, affectionately, the Bentley. A 1991 Mazda 626 he bought from his pastor while he was in college. Now four months and 275 man hours later, the Bentley is back and better than ever, and Morris couldn't be happier. Now, when I read this, and they don't tell you this, so I'm going to go ahead and fast forward and ruin this for you because I think it's cool. He really was driving this because he was driving this car. This all went down because a group of the local Mazda dealers found out, and, and if you don't know, I've worked with professional athletes in the past, Professional local dealerships will typically approach kind of athletes that are starting to get some name recognition, that are franchise-type players, that people are going to recognize in the community. They will approach these players and typically offer them a lease on a car to just drive around because they know people in the community are going to see this person in this car. They
0: want to and, emulate that. And
1: they want, and they will It'll sell more cars. So it's not uncommon. And I, I've had a little background dealing with professional athletes and the fact that you'll see local dealerships work with athletes and basically give them a car just because they want people to see them in that car. And it, the reason I know this is because it's a pain in the butt for the financial advisor. Is because typically the athletes don't call their financial advisor to make sure we have property and casualty insurance and everything else. So that's a whole nother story. But it just kind of got me when I was reading this. I was like, so they approached him. They obviously the, some of the local dealerships, and I'm sure they weren't approaching him for a Mazda. A, a lot of dealerships are owned by conglomerates right. now, or a family will have you know Mercedes, BMW, as well as a Mazda dealership, all in the same ownership. But they found out this guy was driving a 1991 Mazda six two six. They approached him when they found out that he loved this car and they said, let's, let us rehab it for you. Let us completely break this thing down and redo it for you. And he was like, sure. So, you know, that's kind of if you read into the back of the article, he break, he, he took advantage of them doing that. And, and I was surprised when I was reading this article, how many negative comments from the readers down below who were saying that, you know, that 275 hours should have been used to feed the poor and all this. Stuff. I was like, I liked it. It's a marketing thing, guys. I mean, they did this to sell more cars, and but it's also a feel-good story because here's a guy who's making a fortune, but he's
0: humble enough to understand. I don't need a true Bentley. I'll take a Mazda. Here's here's the cool thing I thought about it, is you know he paid he bought it from his pastor and uh, when he was younger for two dollars. Yep. Um, and so what they did is they completely restored the outside of the car. Essentially gutted the outside, everything. Completely restored the outside, and they did the same thing in the inside. But they sort of modernized the inside a little bit, yeah. which is pretty stinking yeah. cool.
1: They put actual, uh, I think, rolled leather seats in there with nice stitching in it. They also put a big seven screen, touchscreen, Bluetooth enabled sound system in there. So I mean, that's and that's that's got to be a, a good feeling to have the car you love, but now bring it up to the technology with GPS and the Bluetooth right. of what everybody likes and it's just really cool. I, I did think the text I have to give for all my my gearheads out there. He's not he's not catching anybody at a red light with this thing. Cuz listen to this. It said the restoration of Morris's car is the stuff old car owners dream about when they go to sleep at night. Mazda technicians removed the powertrain, rebuilt the 2.2 liter 110 horsepower four-cylinder engine.
0: Isn't oh, that, that's that, that's amazing. right there
1: installed new hoses, gaskets, and rubber items, put in a new air conditioner because the old one didn't work. So here we have an NFL running back from Florida. It's not cold in Florida, by the way, who's still driving around in a Mazda 626 without air conditioner. That's great. I want to meet this guy. Added new brakes, front and rear, put on a new exhaust system, and even replaced the battery and alternator. Really cool story. That's so awesome. um, We'll put a link up to this story so you guys can go actually see all the pictures and see you know, the leather seats, the interior, and what they did, as well as they have pictures of how they did the restoration. So, I don't know. I, I just wanted to share with other fellow tightwads a guy who's making good money and still appreciates, you know, where he came from. And that's yeah. the other part of the story is he said, I, you know, I, I just remember where I came from, and this car makes me happy because yeah. it reminds me of the journey. He talks about hopefully when he has kids, he's going to be able to pass his car down to his kids and, and keep it in the family so that they can see the same journey that he's been on and where you, you have to start. Um so, guys, thanks for joining us. Kind of an eclectic show today. We went into dealing with financial advisors. We also dealt with you know Mazda 626s, um, my jealousy of Justin Timberlake. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get on The Money Guy Show. Go check us out at money-guy.com. You can check us out on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're trying to keep you as connected as possible. Thanks for all of you guys who write us and you know just give us the feedback on how we've impacted your life. I dealt with a family just this week. Estate planning-wise, they heard two or three comments that we said on a past show on estate planning. It changed the way they were doing some things. That stuff really gets me excited. If I can give you anything that helps you make better financial decisions, we're doing our job right here at the Money Guy Show. So check us out, money-guy.com. I'll talk to you in two weeks. I'm your host, Brian Preston.
0: The Money Guy Podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy Podcast.